Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Listen! Hello and welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat, IGN's Nintendo podcast for the week of July 23rd. This week we will be discussing Nintendo Mini Direct, some Splatoon stuff, some more Paper Mario, and a few more Nintendo-related things. Also, surprise! I know we said we weren't going to have an episode here, but I'm your host, Casey DeFridis, and this week I am joined by Janet Garcia. What's up? Tom Marks. Hello! And Per Schneider. Hello! Yeah, thank you guys for joining me for this kind of casual audio only Nintendo voice set edition in which Tom doesn't wear a bow tie, but none of you get to see it. It's, You'll never know. I, it's horrifying. I was surprised. I was surprised they actually were removable. I'm very impressed. <laughs> but um, we, we were going to skip because we're broadcasting Comic-Con live this week, obviously. And so um, it's a little bit difficult getting production resources. But then uh, Casey had the awesome idea to just do audio. Mm-hmm. With the, the very helpful, a very helpful Discord bot. So nice. this is my first time doing it, but it's going well. Thanks, thanks, Craig, the Discord bot, for recording our NVC show. So you're welcome. Oh, that was that was terrifying. Perfect. It was perfect. <laughs> but I wanted to That's start. That's what he sounds like. You have to be Craig for the rest of the rest of NVC. I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot crush questions over to Craig. Can't wait to hear what games he's playing. <laughs> But I did want to start off this, actually, I wanted to start off this week by commenting on our comments last week about Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. So you know how I wished that Crystal Chronicles had a free download full multiplayer, kind of like how Clubhouse Games has? Well, they have that. They totally have that. And three players can join using the free downloadable companion app to Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. You just still need to be online and have a separate Switch. But hey, Your wish has been granted. It is. My wish has been granted. So I'm uh-huh. sorry for that misinformation. Good news. But that's Crystal awesome. Chronicles can yeah. be played multiplayer. Yes. That's really, really good news because it mm-hmm. means you just need one friend who actually owns the game or you yes. need to be that awesome friend. Mm-hmm. And then you can get three others together online and play uh, Crystal Chronicles, which or is a fun Or you can get game. four friends to pitch in. That too. Maybe. Oh, yeah, you can split. I mean, just, right? Just like how many Nintendo Online, you know? Would that how be many fair? Game Boy Advance link cables do I need? <laughs> oh, no. You know, All I still have four. I have, I have four really? TVA I have at least cables. two. Yeah, When's the two. last time either of you used one of those cables? My uh, kids broke them out last year, I think. Hmm. What? Yeah. 
Yeah. They Why? have uh, fond memories of uh, of um, Zelda, uh, Four Swords mm. Adventure. That makes sense. Yep. I know I still have my Game Boy Advance and I still have the worm light and some cables somewhere. Somewhere wow. in a box. Deep cut worm light. Yeah. Well, that, was good. that was the best to, thing. To anyone not um, not that old. Uh, <laughs> n- not that you're old, Casey, but the worm light was a fix to the, the original GBA's uh, dark screen problem and didn't have a backlight or front light or anything. And so somebody made a little light you plug into the aux port of the GBA in the back. And it was like this little wormy looking, just a little like a desk light yeah, for, ti- for, your... for teeny tiny people, a pixie desk light. <laughs> it was a perfect apparatus. But I so did want to start talking this week about the mini Nintendo Direct. I know we actually all said it last week like, oh, NBC's canceled next week. We're definitely getting a Direct. And <laughs> uh, well, we got one, even if it was just a mini Direct for partners. But I want to talk about it because I mean, I think it's kind of cool that we at least got some news. But overall, it seems like the audience, well, Nintendo fans are generally disappointed and just to go over the presentation it was an eight minute presentation we learned that cadence of hyrule is getting three dlc packs um there is a character pack a music pack which includes 39 new tracks and a new pack with skull kid which includes a whole new story with skull kid and he can change mass out to change his abilities i think that sounds super cool they will all be out by october we also learned about Rogue Company, which is a third-person co-op PvP shooter from Hi-Rez, and it is already in early access on the Switch. It's available right now. We learned about WWE 2K Battlegrounds gameplay, and then finally we learned about the Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne HD Remaster coming out <laughs> spring 2021, and Shin Megami Tensei 5 coming out in 2021, which will be a Switch exclusive. That's quite a bit. I yeah, know. I mean it's it was a it was a tight little presentation, yes. and it seems like most people that I saw on social media were disappointed with it, with mm-hmm. the 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 meat in the presentation. Yes, but um, you could almost tell like Nintendo was like treading on eggshells when they announced it. They waited till the last possible minute. It's like, oh, you're all asleep. There's gonna be a direct tomorrow, I super know. early, How right? <laughs> it was nine p.m. PT and twelve a.m. on a Sunday. Like, yep, Nintendo. Co- Come on. Come on, guys. And then it was on at, what was it, on at 7 or 8 in the morning? Yeah, it was something, yeah, 7 a.m., absurdly early. And then they said, you know, they they said, hey, it's going to be third-party titles, you know. So just like they did with Bakugan, where they clarified it wasn't Mm first-party, they they were treading on eggshells to not raise expectations. But then, like, you know, I was... I watched it. I'm like, eh, you know, like not a lot of stuff for me in there. I love the Majora's Mask story mode in, in Cadence of Hyrule. That sort of stuff sound, sounds cool. Um, but like if they didn't bundle together these announcements and, and present them as these direct partner showcase, they wouldn't get the views that they're getting. They got yes. they got almost 3 million views on YouTube on, on this little package. Whereas like if they had just posted the trailer separately, they would have topped out at like 100 to 200k or something right so mm-hmm. can't fault him for it but i think you know i kind of miss the big spectacle of a yeah. major direct and like i wish they they could wait on these a little bit more but you know obviously rogue company the announcement was that it's out in early access and you can't hold that till next month when they may have more to announce mm-hmm. janet what, what was like- your take yeah, um, I wasn't a huge fan of the Mini Direct. They did announce this kind of as a new 
official formats. So they're like, this is the first of this kind of presentation, implying that there will be more. But it's just not that exciting. Like, it's cool. It's a cool way to get out information. And I think it's Nintendo trying to give us something because every day people are like, direct, direct, yeah. when's the next one? So this at least allows them a way to answer that question. But they're kind of in an awkward spot right now because with the pandemic, and they even opened it saying, like, these dates are tentative. I, I don't know anyone who takes because of COVID. Video, yes, video game release dates as not a little bit tentative. You know, we get a lot of delays in the industry. It is hard to time everything well, but they kind of couched this announcement in that. Um, but I think that was, it's it's interesting they set up that precedent and that they kind of opened with that because I think it's also an indicator of what we can expect or maybe not expect from Nintendo moving forward, which is that really heavy hitter direct that will have major titles because I it, it's an awkward time to also release games. So I, I think they are kind of playing the cards close to the chest. We still haven't gotten what we would have seen at E3 2020 if it existed. We haven't gotten an answer to that question yet. And I think Nintendo either does not have an answer or is holding the answer until it's more fiscally viable to drop a really big announcement of a really big game. So I think we're kind of kind of stuck with these kind of mini pieces of information because if you threw this into a direct without a few heavy hitters, people would be even more upset. So this is kind of... I think they're compromised in a in an awkward situation that uh, they're in, and you know all of us are kind of in with the pandemic. Well, I think, I think they're off their game. I'll oh, go ahead, Tom. Tom. One one of the things I was going to say is I think one of the reasons this was such a disappointment because like you look at the individual announcements and like none of them are terrible, right? Like except for that two K Battlegrounds WWE thing, which was just sort of like really fluff to me. Uh, it didn't really tell us much about that game that we didn't already know like the cadence viral thing is cool rogue company being out is neat high-res is a great studio shimigami tensei you know like i'm not a huge fan of that series personally but like that's exciting right like it's cool things but the disappointment comes from the fact that like nintendo explicitly said back in may we had a june direct planned for e3 and -hmm. we are delaying it and so you get this anticipation where you're like okay they're delaying it so the next direct is going to be this E3-sized thing. And then the next direct we got was not at all that. And I think totally. that's that's a lot of where my disappointment comes from because, like, like Janet said, like, we're just, like, we're hungry for whatever the heck they're doing. And, you know, like, we don't know what that is anymore. And, yeah, this helps as, like, a little bit of a Band-Aid. But, man, like, I just want, like, somebody pointed out, I can't remember who I saw point this out, right, that they have literally no no games with first party games with release dates anymore right Mm -hmm. now that paper mario is out so we're in this crazy doldrums of nintendo's like this is the first time the switch has ever felt like oh man like what's coming from nintendo this is the first time in the history of the console that we i've really felt like that and so getting this thing that is not an answer to that right when we want and expect an answer to that is like just a bummer yeah i have some thoughts around that like uh... It is, it is obvious to me that they are not as well-coordinated. You know, I'm playing armchair critic and, and, and exec here, right? Like, it, it isn't easy to react to the crisis that we're in with, you know, development studios having to, having to have people work from home and all of that. And so there are a lot of unknowns. And I think the things that they plan to reveal, reveal at E3 in June obviously got torpedoed by this whole um, situation. But I think they're now at a point where they're kind of struggling 
herding their sheep and keeping everything together. Because if you look at some of the announcements over the last couple of weeks, right? Like we had Paper Mario coming out. And so they did a nice presentation around what that game would be like. And then they snuck like Bakugan in there. They (laughs) worked with Lego to reveal the Lego NES, which looks freaking awesome, right? Like all of these things could have been bundled together in some fashion just to give it a little bit more meat. Mm -hmm. Um, But then we're also looking at their... Their next earnings announcement is in August. They, they obviously did really well with Switch sales. So there's something big to report. I got to think that is the next touch point where, you know, they will reveal um, where they will reveal more of their lineup. And they might have deliberately wanted to stay out of the out of the steamroller. That's the next gen pla- console platform announcements, right? Like Microsoft and PlayStation have far more exciting things to announce right now because they have new hardware coming out, which Nintendo doesn't have. And so maybe they said, stay clear of that. You know, the announcement dates for PlayStation and Xbox events were also up in the air. So that was another thing that another monkey wrench. And so maybe they said, let's wait till we have to announce to our shareholders in August. At first, I thought they were waiting for Gamescom in late August, but I actually think it's going to be earlier. I think it's going to be around the the earnings call. Oh, well, they're not going to have a public um, session on that one, but with the releases. I'm also under the impression that Nintendo is a company that doesn't want to make announcements until they are mostly sure of their release dates and when and windows, unless it's literally just a title screen. And at this point, I think a title screen wouldn't make a lot of people happy seeing how people have reacted so far. But I thought for this announcement, I really thought people would be more excited about Shin Megami Tensei 5 because that was first announced in 2017 and people have been asking, where is this ever since? But yeah. I don't know, maybe my my social media and friend bubble is smaller than I anticipated because it doesn't seem to be the case. It seems people, even though we haven't heard about this game for such a long time, it just doesn't seem to be as ex- exciting. And the other game, Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne, was actually America's first Shin Megami Tensei so I assume people would be more excited about that as well. Well, the the funny thing about that is like it's the, the as weird as this is, it's almost now in 2020 the wrong Shin Megami Tensei game, right? Yeah. Because now everybody has been wanting Persona 5 on Switch mm-hmm. for so long that to say, "Hey, you're getting this other Atlas game that it was the spinoff from is like exciting for a, a group mm-hmm. of people, but that's not where that fit. Like that's not where the hungry fans are on switch right now. So I think like, yeah, it's extraordinarily exciting. It's just extraordinarily exciting for like a, a smaller group than some of the other things that could, they could have announced. I think it's that's like also a- the con like i'm like who, do, who goes next um uh yeah, i'm like i think it's also the kind of having such a small format the with mm. any direct regardless of like if it's the larger one that we're used to really getting excited about there are people who will maybe only latch on to one thing there are times that i've watched a direct where there was nothing that personally excited me i mean that didn't make me think the direct was a failure but i kind of left saying oh well, like everyone got their present and i just kind of been there on the sidelines cheering people on <laughs> So, you know, it's a, it's a little bit ostracizing sometimes. And I think when you have a mini direct, it's, an, you know, this eight minute thing. We have, what, four, four bullet point pieces of information, most of which we already knew. Um, you know, some of it was new, but most of it was kind of rehashing or, you know, DLC to bring back in. 
So the con of that is it, there's less chances for an individual fan to get excited. Uh, I do want to echo what you said, Casey. I did see a few uh, Shin Megami Tensei fans like on my timeline being like, yes, but they were also kind of like, us, all right, and everyone else is just sort of muted over it because if that's <laughs> not what you're into, it's not really going to do anything for you. Um, and, and that's kind of the issue when you have a smaller one versus they do have these new one-off, like oh, we're going to do a deep dive into Pokemon or Animal Crossing. But the nice thing about those is you can kind of, you know, bow out if you want to, because yeah. you can say, oh, I, you know, I hate Pokemon. I, I hear enough Pokemon from Casey. I don't want to hear it on the direct. <laughs> and you could leave. But if you're into it, you can stick around and check it out. This, um, the issue with the mini directs and directs is you feel like you want to be there because maybe they'll announce something that you want. And when it's smaller, yeah. That chance is just minimized, and I think that's what left people kind of like, mm, maybe this could have yeah. been a blog post. That is very true. So it's I think I've, overall we can I've, agree. Sorry, Barry, you can go ahead. No, no I, I was going to say, I've seen the same thing with Dragon Quest. Like, uh, you know, Dragon Quest is an awesome game, and it's a huge franchise in Japan, but in a direct, it didn't play that well. Um, so it, it honestly, it's that... Switch is home to so many different players with people looking for different experiences. It is a great platform for JRPGs, for example. Um, but what everybody's really clamoring for is that first party hit, right? What's mm -hmm. the next Mario? Even if it's a remake that's coming back, that's what everybody's waiting for. And unless Nintendo throws them a bone, people are going to walk away disappointed from these directs. And we have to mention everyone's been saying it, but we have no idea if there are any first party Nintendo games coming out for the rest of the year. And this is one of the first times this has happened where it's been completely blank for such a long time in the future. And I'm sure we'll learn more about that soon. And Pear has put together an awesome list um, showing all of the Nintendo franchises and when was the last time we got installments from them. And we will talk about that next week and kind of theorize on what could be coming based on that list. But that is basically all we have to say about the Nintendo Mini Direct. Like Janet said, there's not a ton to talk about, but I'm interested to hear what you th thought about it. Like, what do you think about these Mini Directs? Let us know in the comments, which actually, never mind. There are no comments because this is the audio <laughs> podcast. My bad. No comments. Let us Don't know let in us our know. Nintendo podcast forums on Facebook. <laughs> never tell us. <laughs> But I also wanted to talk about the best-selling digital Switch games in Japan for the first half of 2020. Perry, thank you again for putting together this list. But Nintendo have listed the top downloaded game for the first half of 2020 on their Japanese website. And there are two lists, top downloaded, that have also have box copies available and eShop exclusives. So, Perry, can you explain this list to us a little bit? Yeah, sure. There's Pakeji Soft. So those are games like Animal Crossing that came out on cartridge. And then this is just measuring the digital downloads part of it. So this is basically an eShop update. And so for the packaged goods one, uh, the top selling downloads are number one, Animal Crossing. Number two, Clubhouse Games. So two new games. And then everything else looks pretty old in there. Number three, yeah. surprisingly, is Human Fall Flat. That which surprised came out me a in, lot. Yeah, it came out in 2017. I have no idea why it's doing this this well um, in, in Japan. Number four is Splatoon 2. Obviously, you know, that franchise has legs in Japan. It's going to keep on selling. And then the other one that's going to be around for as long as we live is Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which also came out in 2017. So that's the package stuff. And then a couple of notable games. Smash was at number six. Nino Kuni was at nine. Minecraft at 10. Always... Um, 
getting lots of downloads. Xenoblade at 12 and Pokemon Sword actually I expected much higher on the list. It's mm-hmm. at 14 and Shield at 20. Of course, Sword always more popular than Shield. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like the, any surprises in that list for you guys? Human Fall Flat uh, like is one of those ones on there where I look at it and I'm like, I just fundamentally don't understand why it's there. And that's no shade at Human Fall Flat because I love that yeah. game. I just like am shocked it's above some of these things. Yeah, well, it's like the recently the... a mention of of that game, like ha- either having an update or something. Like, was it? Did I make that up? Like, or a spinoff or something? Like, I remember hearing something about that. Maybe I'm just making that up. But that'd be no, the only well, thing you... that I could think of would draw something like that. What happens is right. so, sometimes um, an extreme sale can and can pull a, a game into the top ten, and then. If the stars align, it'll keep on selling even when they raise the price again. So, you know, um, maybe that happened here. Uh, the other, oh, there, there, there was, um, no, that's that's ages ago. I remember there were some updates to that game, but I think that that's um, that's also a couple of years old. So the oh, others, oh, I think it oh. actually. I'm just doing a quick Google on it. Uh, oh, th- this was the first. So the first half of the year was the first time Human Fall Flat got a physical release in Japan. So yeah. this was the first time it was available physically in Japan. So I guess people must have just been dis- discovering it as- through that. Huh. But this is just the downloads list. So Maybe they heard, they you know. saw it, and they went home and downloaded uh, it. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I, I don't know that part, but I guess it's it's fresher there in some capacity. But it's still it's like surprising that it's over things like Pokemon when Pokemon got. A DLC and so stuff like that. So here's the thing about Pokemon: if you combine the sales of Sword and Shield, they would be much higher because those oh, are Sword and true. Shield separated, just Sword yeah. and just Shield. So yeah. I think it's and, still pretty impressive that they're still in the top twenty. And, totally. and remember, it's they probably sold a ton more as packaged software too. So this is the right. you know whereas Human Fall Flat may have had you know a while to ramp up sales before the, the cartridge came out in Japan. So then for the download only software list, I think this one is actually more interesting because it shows the power of some of these games in Japan. Minecraft Dungeons is number one. So for the entire first half of the year, the top downloaded software is Minecraft Dungeons, not a Nintendo first party game. Um, number two, Final Fantasy VII, the, the classic. Number three is Futari <laughs> de Nyanko Dai Senso. That's uh, Battle Cats. If you know this game, this was a huge mobile hit uh, in Asia. Uh, it, it even came out on the 3DS. It sold like some 600,000 copies. Um, I have no idea what this is. Is it, is it what it sounds like? It is exactly what it sounds like. It's Hell a really yeah. cutesy. <laughs> it's really cutesy looking kind of like hand-drawn cats. Uh, tower defense game where, you know, you level up your characters. Like it's a... It's just a huge franchise uh, in, in Japan, and like uh, this game came out in 2018 on the Switch. We still haven't seen a, a, a version over here, and like it's just been selling. Like every year, it's a, it's in the charts. Uh, number four is Guilty Gear uh, XX Accent Core Plus R. These names uh, are wild. I know. It's, <laughs> I'm I'm sure I, I mangled that, and it's double X or something. But uh, number five is Sabaku no Nezomidan, and that's. Uh, in in America, it's known as Of Mice and Sand Revised. So that's actually out here. It's a really strange game where like you have these these mice inside this giant desert vehicle. It's like a ma- almost like a management simulator where uh, an exploration game where you have these mice manage that vehicle. 
And then just notable games, Dragon Quest 3 at 6, Final Fantasy 11 at 7. So you can see how well some of the classic RPGs are doing that are being re-released. Uh, Final Fantasy 8 was at 15. Cub, uh, Cuphead, uh, Cuphead uh, at 8, really, really high ranking for a game developer in the, in, in the West, for sure. Uh, Biohazard, Resident Evil 6 at 11. And then there's this Dragon Quest all-in-one package that they released in Japan where you have games 1 through 5 that ranked in at 16. So, you know, Dragon Quest obviously is still on fire in Japan. I guess I, right. I'm, I wonder if this says anything about downloadable software being more likely to be impulse buys. Just because I'm... Because yeah. some of them are kind of weird, right? Or maybe not. Yeah. Maybe Coming for Battle Cats right now? Yeah, no, like Battle Cats and Of Mice and Sand, like those aren't your, we don't hear a ton about those games. So, I've, I mean, obviously both are animal-based. <laughs> um, well, that, that's that's my entire analysis Yeah, here. okay. No, it's like, <laughs> no, like Battle Cats has just been big for a long time. But yeah, sometimes you get a surprise hit in the US charts too, like a game you wouldn't have expected to see. And sometimes True. it is price shenanigans where somebody drops a game to five cents it gets pushed all the way up there and then it, it just sticks yeah, in the that top is true. 10. I've definitely bought yeah. those games. Like if yeah. the game is cheap enough, I'll just, unless it looks really, truly awful, I will buy it on, on the Nintendo eShop. Uh, Pear, I don't know if you know the answer to this question, but uh, for Of Mice and Sand, is does it play like far loan sales? <laughs> because you're like uh, traveling so I, through? No, it's more, there's even more to it too. Like there's, it's more like, I think it's a little bit, I haven't played it, but I believe it's a little bit more FTL-ish than that. Okay. Yeah. That was a very Not, specific question for a very specific slice of our audience. But yeah. I just need to know that. Well, well that I think Tom turned me on to that game. So I did play that. I did play uh, that looking, because Tom made me as well. Looking at screenshots, it looks more like Sim Tower, but the tower <laughs> is like a, a sand rover full of mice. That sounds adorable. <laughs> now I'm interested. Now you know of Mice and Sand, and that is in the top five digital download software for the Nintendo Switch in Japan. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a. Yeah. Those were all of the, the top best-selling digital Switch games in Japan for the first half of 2020. There were some interesting picks in there, but let's move on to some more news. Janet. Yes. There's another Splatfest. There is. <laughs> And it's exciting, sort of. I and I think you told <laughs> it's exciting, sort of. Yeah, I think you told me before the show that the la Nintendo originally said that the last Splatfest was supposed to be summer of last year. Yep. But we've still gotten some Splatfests. Yeah. Tell us about this, it and how do you feel? This sort of goes into the theme of Nintendo is a little bit panicked, a little bit desperate, and in some ways grasping at straws that somehow benefit the players sometimes. So there you go. Uh, Splatoon 2 is having another Splatfest. It is going to be, um, I believe it's what came first, the chicken or the egg, which is happening on uh, August 21st at 3 p.m. PT. It's a 48-hour Splatfest. Uh, this is a, a, a round they've done before, the chicken or egg. So it's very much in line with their ketchup versus mayo return, um, which I think that was to celebrate one of the anniversaries, and this one is to celebrate another anniversary so uh, you know there's two games in the franchise i guess no shortage of reasons to celebrate but what makes this kind of weird is that when they announced the final splatfest which was chaos versus order you know we were told it was over uh and i'm a huge fan of splatoon 2 and splatoon 1 
So the community was kind of like, all right, well, we're done. Uh, I, we imagine that maybe Splatoon 3 is sort of on the way. Maybe they want to free up those teams to just do other things. But it kind of marked, in a way, the beginning of the end of Splatoon 2, just from that standpoint. Obviously, there's still people playing. The competitive scene is very active there. I, I still dip into it from time to time. But without the Splatfest, that's kind of what held the community together. It gave us something to talk about. You didn't need to have a certain skill set because it was just Turf War. So when it ended, it was definitely a bummer, but maybe an indicator of what's to come. Now they've resurfaced. Um, this is their second resurfacing, and they're also doing another one. Um, they're they're, they're going to do at least two more bonus ones before March 2021. So one thing this tells me is Splatoon 3 probably won't be announced anytime soon. We also don't even know if it exists, so that's a little bit disconcerting in some ways and then um it kind of feels like this weird awkward tease like now i feel like we get the worst of both we don't really have consistent splat fests but we'll definitely at least get two before this one date and it's kind of this like half measure uh the way i described it to you guys on slack it's like when you're dating someone and they're like oh you're not my girlfriend but we'll, I'm, I'm taking you to meet my mom and i'm like those two <laughs> things don't add up and maybe that says more about me than it does about Splatoon 2 <laughs> but that, that's really where I feel where it's like oh I'm still kind of excited but also this is a little bit of a red flag uh, and that's kind of where I land with it I'm excited to do it I love the game I love you know the stupid debates on which is it and the polls and I think it's a super fun thing but it bums me out that it's not a full commitment to bringing it back and it's also it kind of makes me wonder what is the future of Splatoon as a franchise I think I, I think I can postulate on that. I think what what happened is that Nintendo thought a lot of the kind of online versus tournament play would migrate from Splatoon two to Smash when it came out, mm -hmm. and instead what they found is probably split player bases among Nintendo fans. Like we just read the list of top selling package soft uh, downloads, and Splatoon two from two thousand seventeen that's three years ago is number four <laughs> on that list. Gesundheit. Um, and so, uh, you know, the fact that Splatoon is still one of the top sellers in Japan, I bet impacted their decision on when to release Splatoon 3, which I think is going to be next year, probably next summer. And like, maybe that's why they said, oh, crap, maybe we, we moved away from, uh, you know, having the, the kind of games as service support with, uh, you know, like the tourneys they're still doing in Smash or the Splatfest. Maybe they said we made a mistake. Now, it sounds to me, though, like what they're doing is they're not creating new matchups, right? The Splat Fests have just been rerun, so they're not mm -hmm. releasing new code. They're just kind of recycling, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what it seems to be. Yeah. it's. I mean, look, I, I've moved on from Splatoon 2, but I think it's welcome news, obviously, for people who are still playing it. And there's some people who play it every day religiously, and there's still a big player base in Japan. So I actually think they should go back and invest a little bit more time and add some mm -hmm. stuff to it. Just like I think Mario Kart 8 Deluxe sitting around for so long without another con content update is just cuckoo pants to me. Like yeah. that game is such a huge seller. Either you're working on 9 and you've got it coming soon or come on, support 8s. Give us a reason to to go back. I mean, they, they couldn't they couldn't support 8 because they had to support the mobile version of <sighs> Mario Kart. It's in no, widescreen. That, that now. is 100% can... how it works. Absolutely. Same heat one to one. Um, no, that's not how it works. Don't, I know, I know. I'm getting don't yell at being people. facetious. Yes. But, yeah. um, unfortunately, I... I feel like if I didn't say that, someone might not know that you're being facetious. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah like I, I would love to see them just 
formally reinvest, I think, both in um, the cadence of the of the Splatfest and also in what they are. I, I don't really mind running it back because, admittedly, I didn't do every single Splatfest that existed, but it is kind of a bummer that, like, we're doing mayo versus ketchup again. Like, we already have this, ar- you know, this, this goofy argument. So. And also, egg, what came first, the egg or the chicken? Like, the egg obviously came first, so there's no argument oh God. there. So I don't know. We have, we have to I find out. I mean, if you just look at how... You just you just look at how like you know like take dog breeding for example like the thing that came before a pug wasn't a pug but its baby is a pug same thing with the yeah. egg the egg may have come from but, something that wasn't a chicken but the thing that hatched from the egg was a chicken but pugs did didn't come it? from another planet like chickens because it's, it's chicken versus egg so yeah it, it, where you, do you guys you, land on this uh well i'm gonna sidestep that question real fast and instead say janet i totally i don't disagree that i wish that there was more committed support if they were going to be doing support but also i have this mental image right now of like there are people in the nintendo offices making free jump roping games like like if there are a couple i wouldn't be surprised if there's a couple people who just don't have enough to do right now and are making splat fests because they just don't have enough to do right now because they're thrown because of the pandemic and they did one because they didn't know what else to do right now and then they realized wow people were into this and decided to do a few more that's so funny that i never even thought of that like, like is that like like when I first started here in day one like I didn't you know, I just dropped in so they're like uh work on the Elder Scrolls Blades wiki and I'm like mm, okay <laughs> like, right like, de- <laughs> we're definitely in between projects right now but yeah this like is the Elder Scrolls Blades of Nintendo <laughs> like I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if the reason they're not doing more commitment is because they literally can't and they're just you know they they're out of sorts it's like a side project it's everyone's a side out of sorts right now right everyone is out of sorts right now so maybe they're just like using their resources where they can you know like who knows so it seems that nintendo i mean either way even if it is just a side project right now it does seem that nintendo stepped away from splatoon 2 a little bit prematurely Mm. But they are still doing updates for Animal Crossing. And I wanted to ask you guys, like, how long do you think they will support that game? And do you think they will support it for an adequate amount of time? I mean, I I think think it'll be a year. One year. And then I think, I think it'll keep, it'll keep autopiloting itself, right? Like Mm. we'll, we'll head into uh, April and we'll get the cherry blossoms again and stuff. But I do think that they probably have a solid one year plan. It'd be so awesome if they did more. Yeah. Um, I don't know if any of you guys know the answer to this question offhand, but do you, any of you guys have an, a kind of memory of what the cadence of official DLC looks like for Nintendo generally, like thinking back to Breath of the Wild and Mario Kart on the Wii U? Because uh, I, I agree, Pear, I think it'll be a one-year support naturally through the seasons because that's kind of an yeah. it, our automatic sort of update, uh, especially with the way they're rolling it out where you can't time travel to official holidays or events. Um, but I could see them maybe doing DLC in some capacity. I think they have to be careful because there are things, quote unquote, missing from this Animal Crossing game from previous ones. I, I don't think they'd want to make that a pay thing. But I could see I, people talk about wanting more like buildings or like without having to do the workaround of starting a new account and making a fake person who's named like the House of Pancakes <laughs> to make a pancake restaurant. Um, I could see something like that because Nintendo has been leaning a little bit more on DLC, and I do think there are people that are definitely willing to pay for it. Like, I love Animal Crossing, and I would drop extra money into it to get more content. 
Yeah, they all over the place, if I recall correctly. Like, Pikmin 3 got DLC within, like, the first four or five months of its release. Like, it's got multiple add-ons. But then Mario Kart kind of was the one that whipped out late DLC on the Wii U, right? Um, yeah, and then but then even recently they've been a little bit all over the place, right? Like, they've been very consistent every three or four-ish months with Smash Bros. Fighters. They It took, like, six months right. to get pokemon dlc uh other games don't get any dlc still you know like mario party so there's they 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 don't really have a tradition yet that we can look to and i think that that actually does open the door to what you're saying janet which is i i don't think that they'll sell dlc within the first year i think that pair is probably right on that they'll they'll do a full-on year of these updates but after that like i wouldn't mind if they've got more ambitious plans buying an update instead of you know uh having to buy a new game necessarily in the next two years well yeah, i guess we like, will maybe they'll do, they'll do a little you know an extra different types of islands you can visit that don't, don't exist now like there there are all sorts of things they could do with free or paid updates after that one year cycle because yeah, yeah the game is going to start repeating itself for people who have owned the game for a year obviously people who buy it next year will find a really fresh experience when they shake trees and eggs fall out um <laughs> but um yeah i would love to see i would love to see them take a game and really like go full Fortnite on it you know where like yeah. it, they just keep on releasing these kind of surprising and meaningful updates and i think animal crossing is getting close to that right like the whole uh we we knew it was eventually coming but like being able to now swim in the ocean and have a new type of collectible that's a that's a nice upgrade for you know a game that we've already played for over 100 hours i assume. yeah <laughs> and yep. does exactly what janet was saying which is it adds mm-hmm. something that was quote unquote missing from this version right Mm-hmm. Yeah, added back in. Yeah, and I know we could speculate about Animal Crossing DLC for a very long time, and I have my own speculations. But I want to move on to some other more news, like the fact that Crisis was shown running on the Switch. Um, it includes tech features. There was a tech features trailer and a live stream, and I know Digital Foundry went through and just picked it apart, um, <laughs> and it looks pretty good. Uh, it looks better and sharper than Doom. This is all Paris' comment, so maybe I should just let him go for it. <laughs> well, you know, I, I watched the I watched the footage. I watched the the live stream as well, and the the footage so far shown by um, Crytek themselves has been capped at 720p. But the uh, you know, according to Digital Foundry, they did an awesome job again breaking it down. The it runs at 1080p most of the time when it's docked, and it holds 720p really well in handheld. Obviously, like most ports. You know, there's variable resolutions and it drops down. But like you can see in the footage, it looks sharper already than Doom. They did a nice job. Um, You know, they obviously made some big changes um, over the PlayStation 3 and 360 versions, which it looks like it's mostly based on. But it has a new lighting model. So you get like nice little god rays through the trees and lots of visual tweaks. um, Runs pretty smoothly at 30. Um, I I mean, so far it looks good. And... uh, I, I actually, I was going to ignore this. Um, it's been a while since I've looked at, at Crisis, but I think I might just buy it tomorrow when it's out or today if you're listening to this. Uh, and just to just to see it run, because on a small screen, it might look mighty impressive to have a game that used to be kind of like the, you know, the 
the reference model for yes. great graphics in a first person shooter, right? Like it, it dared to let you fight in forests, which was unusual because trees were such a pain in the ass to do, to render. Right. <laughs> and as um, we all know, they still are. They are. Um. They still are. Yeah. <laughs> for some of us. <laughs> yeah. Some more than others, but yes. <laughs> would, would, would you guys say that crisis looks better than some other switch switch ports like Witcher three? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Witcher, you know, having the frame of reference for what these games are based on, Witcher is an amazing game. One of my favorite RPGs on, of all time, probably my favorite RPG mm-hmm. of all time. But the Switch version looks kind of smeared, right? Like it retains the cool like shadows and lighting uh, of, of the original, but it's so blurry that it really bothers me to play that version because I have yeah. access to the other. Whereas like with Crisis, it looks better than what I remember and now, obviously, when the other versions come out, it, it's going to face a similar challenge. It gets remastered on the others. But like right now, my frame of reference is the original. So it actually feels like a, a nice step up. Um, I think it looks good. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. awesome to hear. I was honestly a little bit worried when we first heard that they were delaying their other ports, but releasing the Switch one early. But I mean, that's it's really good news. The other ones have more advanced effects for sure. And so mm-hmm. they take a little bit more more work to get right yeah. too. And one more small piece of move news. <laughs> one more small piece of news. Just want to move on. Um, if you have a Nintendo Online subscription between July 27th to August 2nd, you will be able to access Pokemon Tournament DX for free. This is the Pokemon fighting game. Yes, I got to talk about Pokemon this episode. What? But, uh, <laughs> I know. But um, it's actually a really fun I really enjoyed this game. I had a great time playing it with my friends when I lived with a bunch of people. And there is a competitive scene for it, and they do have a tournament for it every year at the Pokemon World Championships. So, like, I mean, it's free. Check it out. And then your save data will transfer over if you do decide to get it. It's... I I, I didn't get into Pokemon, but it will forever live on to me as one of the worst game name contractions ever it's not I mean, good it's it is meant to be pokemon and tekken right yeah. but like as a native german speaker a pokken are literally pimples oh no zits. so or small pox pox uh, no, <laughs> um, that so i can't see pokken which out like without getting itchy um pokken tournament was actually a, originally an arcade game in japan before it came out to the wii u and the first time i played it was in japan uh at at an arcade it was a lot of fun but let's move on to games that are out this week including one we've already touched upon broke company out on the 20th it's free to play by hi-rez who have made smite and i like smite i think hi-rez does a great job supporting that game and coming out with timely updates and fixes and so i think this would be worth checking out just because of that um have any of you been able to play it I, I have not, but it it could be, you know, it could be what, uh, you know, like kind of a mini Fortnite on the platform, you yeah. know, a, a different type of shooter that it runs really nicely from what I've seen. Like they did a really nice job kind of sizing it for the Switch. So could could be a nice success there. And obviously can't beat the price, right? Yeah, no, free. <laughs> yep. Um, Tom, can you tell us a little bit about Rock of Ages 3 Make and Break out on the 21st for $30? This is uh, the third, as you might expect, in the Rock of Ages series, being Rock of Ages 3. (laughs) Um, This is like a school paper. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Wikipedia says... No, um, 
Merriam-Webster defines rock as... <laughs> the Rock of Ages... I haven't played this one specifically, but the Rock of Ages series is this sort of, like, weird hybrid of tower defense and almost like a pinball game a little bit and it's this you have this very physics-y ball and you're like either taking out armies that are coming at you or taking out buildings there's lots of different really wacky scenarios and if anybody's seen monty python it sort of uses that monty python art style terry gilliam's art style of like using old european cutouts of old european paintings or art and then like animating them in very silly goofy ways so it's very tongue-in-cheek um I was a fan of the older Rock of Ages games. I haven't played this one yet, but uh, it's at least one to, to keep an eye on if you like sort of lighthearted, uh, not puzzly, like physics-y games like that. Cool. Also out this week is a game that Seth Macy talked about a little while ago called Panzer Paladin out out now if you're listening for $20. It's like a retro Mega Man style platformer. And he gave it an 8 out of 10, which is great. And he said, Panzer Paladin doesn't reinvent the action platforming wheel, but it does an excellent job balancing the aesthetics and feel of an old school action platformer with modern ideas to make it a wholly fresh feeling experience. Have, have you guys been able to give it a shot? I have not, but uh, I, I think we have to. Otherwise, Seth will be mad. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, come, we'll, come, we'll circle back around on that next week. And but. he, uh, it's it's fun to point out, he, uh, when he was talking about it excitedly, was like, this could be the next Shovel Knight in that sort of vein of being like a retro-inspired platformer. Um, this was before he played it, uh, I'd say. But then uh, yesterday, for us, on launch day, uh, Yacht Club Games, completely unrelated to it, decided to support their fellow developers by doing a live stream of it. So like, oh, well, Yacht, that's cool. Yeah, so like Yacht Club is on board with this as well, even if they're not directly involved. And the next game up is Creeks out on the 22nd, which is out now for $20. And Tom, you call, called it a lovely puzzle adventure game from the creators of Machinarium and Samarost. Did I yeah. pronounce that right? <laughs> yeah, Machinarium is, is like this going back it's like a classic indie game uh at this point right uh the, they basically make these point and click adventure games pretty much but they're like puzzle adventure games but their art style is super unique like if you look at machinarium and then you look at creeks and it's spelled creek like creaky like c-r-e-a-k-s um oh. you'll you'll notice that like it's very uh like, you can tell it's made by them. They've got a really, really beautiful art style. And I haven't played this one specifically, but, like, pretty much anything they make, I'm, like, interested in. All right. Um, this next one, I've actually been... I think a lot of people have been following this one just because of how unique it looks. But Carrion is out this week for $20, and it's a pixel art horror game where you are the monster. And I know that the, <laughs> the icon on your Switch once you purchase the game is uh, kind of, I don't know, unsettling. It's kind of gross bloody <laughs> gore hole um but in this game you are it looks like you're just gore you're a pile of gore and you eat people and then you become a bigger pile of gore so you can eat bigger people so that appeals to me so it's like katamari ass but with yeah katamari but like gross with human flesh yeah yes. i think it looks awesome i remember when uh devolver first showed it it's like it's this pixel art style and it's got this this tentacly red mass that just kind of oozes its way through stuff. I always thought it looked really uh, fascinating. I might have to give it a shot. Yeah, I think that'd be worth giving a shot. And yep. next game up on our list, we've already discussed Crisis Remastered. And last is Quib 
Quiplash and Fibbage XL out on the 23rd for $10 each. And these are Jackbox Party games. These are really fun to play and you can actually set these up if you're able to do it with your Switch. If you can if you can stream, you can set up this game to play with friends remotely and all they need is their phones and to be able to see your screen. So uh, I've been having fun playing these games with some friends from out of state or out of town while we haven't been able to, you know, hang out on the couch together and play these instead. But they are fun. And on that note, what are you guys playing? Uh, Tom, let's start with you. Uh, I'm actually playing a game this week, which I'm excited about. What? It's the first, I yes. know, it's the first time I've played games like actively in a, a long time. Um, but the Switch is e way easier for me to play because I've, I've been, for those who don't know, I've been dealing with, uh, similar to Casey, like kind of arm pain from tendonitis stuff, and I've been trying to deal with it very well as best I can, but like it's just sort of an, an enigmatic beast to fight. Um, yeah. But the Joy-Con are a lot easier for me. It's really nice because I can just sort of like hold them separately and stretch out while I'm playing and move my arms around. So that's been really nice. And I've been using it to play Paper Mario and the, Orig the Origami King, which I was really, really excited for. Um, so I've put maybe like four hours into that only. Still going slow. But like, yeah, I'm playing that mainly right now. Um, and I'm a little mixed about it so far. Okay, let's hear it. <laughs> Uh, it's adorable. It's hilarious. It's beautiful. It's it's everything I want from a Paper Mario game in that regard. Uh, but the question I have for Paris, I don't know how much you've played. I'm in Area 3. Okay, so you've played more than me. And I guess my question is, do the battles get fun? <laughs> like... No, it's a, and, and that's like that's the one big issue with the game, honestly. I'm enjoying it a lot, too. I'm glad I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm glad it's out. Uh, the writing is funny. Like the, yeah. the, the stuff the toads say when you rescue them is just so charming and fun. But you can tell it's like it once was an RPG and then it got kind of simplified. And mm -hmm. now the battles are just they become a nuisance after you've beaten an enemy for the first time. It's just like right. you, you find a secret, you finish a section, then you go back later and the enemies are running around again. And like there's no incentive to beat them, to, to play them no again. Yeah, you get confetti, you get coins, but the coins are so abundant. You can hit a tree for confetti too. And yeah. so it they add some elements like where you can take them out right but with your hammer right on the overworld if you're fast enough. But it's just kind of, you can just imagine how much more um, involving it would have been if you had some sort of experience system, uh, point system, or you could unlock new abilities by upgrading your character and all of that. Um, yeah, it's the, a huge, huge bummer, but everything else is just so good. Yeah, I, that's basically how I feel right now, too, is because, like, the, the, the problem I'm having... Wow, that is a loud car driving by my house. Um, wow. The, the problem I'm having, like, is that, like, when you fight Goombas, and I know the Goombas are early on, but, like, you don't... Like, like it moves the ring once, and you just uh -huh. move the ring back, and then you jump on them and you don't need to do the timing command at all because the basic damage you do will just kill them regardless. Yeah. And like, even if you hit them with a hammer on them overworld to get them before you do like four damage to them, which is pointless because they'll die in one hit regardless. So like, there's just so like, like I think what my problem with it. Okay. Here's, here's my problem with the combat system because I do really, I am enjoying the game, but mm -hmm. so the problem I have with the combat in this game specifically comes down to the fact that you're limited by moves, right? 
because I expected it to be a puzzle system like other puzzle battle games or like Bejeweled, where you're presented with this complex board state, you have a limited amount of time to make moves, and you can make as many moves as you want to get guys into an ideal setting. Because then you can actually be creative. But what the fights are are not that at all. The fights are instead, they show you the correct answer to the board. They make Hmm. a couple really light touches, and your only job is to just figure out what the pattern is to reverse that in two moves. And that means that there's not any creativity in how you solve. There's no cleverness in feeling like, okay, I got to do this and that and that on a time limit. It's just like, here's a Rubik's Cube that I made two turns on, unturn them. And like, that's not compelling over a long period of time it's as you said it's compelling the first time you do a fight and then you know the formula and you just have to repeat it ad nauseum so i i'm hoping i hear i hear exactly what you're saying because the first time i you know uh i encountered a koopa trooper and like you jump on them and it sends the turtle shell flying i'm like aha i gotta mix up the board to have him in the front row so that i can kick the turtle shell and destroy the others but like the game does not ask you to solve it like that right the game goes no 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 line up all koopa troopers in one row um whereas like yeah. i want to mix it now i'm hoping the game opens up a little bit more later um, obviously you know some of our fans may be farther along than we are um, yeah on account of not sleeping at night it's not good for you guys <laughs> um but, but but i hear you it is it is a little rigid it's kind of like the puzzle mode in a puzzle like the the kind of like preset puzzle mode in a puzzle game where like yeah. you've got your freeform battles and then you have your preset battles like solve this puzzle in three modes and that's how the mode is. But I will say, like, the boss battles are interesting. I don't know how many you fought. I, I'm um, not there yet. I'm still in the first world, right? Like, I'm only, like, four okay. hours in. And so, so I, they, I'm excited for things to get more complex. It, 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 does, it does get better. But unfortunately, there is not a good reason for uh, to refight enemies. Now, right. I have tons of money in the game, which means, like, when you go into a, a repeat battle, you can just hold down the Y button and toss coins at the toads. And then the mm-hmm. toads will actually start to solve some stuff for you and even like attack or heal you. So it, there, there are lots of cool little game mechanics that um, let you bypass things or, or approach a battle slightly differently. And the, the writing is just funny. Like just the, yeah. the, even the enemy design and what the enemies are, um, the, the kind of mixture of ori- origami and regular paper crafts and then paper mache, the way that all works together. Like all paper mache is like these mindless they're basically the zombies of the paper world because they've been torn to shreds and reassembled. It's just really clever and and really charming. I fell in love with the world the moment right at the beginning where you get to that little camp and there's the the Mm -hmm. logs on the campfire that are like, burn me, please! And they're like so excited (laughs) about being firewood. Like, there's, it's full of little things like that that are meaning that I enjoy the game even if that like core, which I've said on this podcast, I was really optimistic about like ahead of launch is just not interesting to me right now but i'm still yeah, enjoying keep, it and i'm excited to play keep, more keep keep playing it's it's definitely worth it i'm i'm enjoying it uh you know sometimes like some of the finding all the toads thing can be a little tedious but they give you a, give you some helpful tools so that the game the game uh opens up and it is fun it is just i wonder if they needed to get this done by summer because they had a gap Mm. in the schedule and so they fast-tracked it and said you know what we're not going to do the full experience point and upgrade system maybe they decided that pretty early on in the game just to hit this date um but either way i'm hoping they go back to the model of a thousand year door and and give us 
a reason to level. Some people don't I, like like that, but I, I thought that was just the best model they had. I tell you what, and we don't have to belabor this long because it's a whole topic on its own. But yeah. <laughs> I don't even need to get. I don't even need them to go back to the model of Thousand Year Door. I am happy if they just go to the model of Mario and Luigi, right? Like I just uh. miss. I just miss Mario RPGs that are like actual RPGs, and I'm I'm craving that right now. And this did not satisfy, I guess. But it's still it's still very amusing, and I'm still enjoying it. Coming for you. I can't wait to hear what you think about that. Me too. <laughs> I haven't started yet, but I am I am excited because it does look cute. But I I'm I'm really interested how I'll feel since I haven't played the Paper Mario games before. If I'll if those shortcomings will feel as pronounced to me, I'm huh. guessing probably still in a way. But it I, it is a different background uh, with it being my first one, so we'll see how it is. Yeah. What have you been playing? Uh, I've been playing Animal Crossing New Horizons all the time. No way. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, Non-time travel edition is the run I'm doing right now after doing my um, time crime wikis run. Um, (laughs) Honestly, I I don't want to be that guy because I was annoyed at that guy for a very long time. But I do... I will say I, I'll encourage people to do a, a, t- a non-time travel run if they haven't before because you run into problems that you don't run into when you just cheat your way through the game. <laughs> and maybe in that maybe it's less fun in some ways. It is like kind of frustrating when you're trying to get something done or pay off something and you're sort of limited. But I, I kind of added a layer of challenge that I, I admittedly did enjoy. I wasn't expecting to like playing this game slowly as much as I have. So uh, that has been a fun surprise. Um, I still do cheese some stuff. Like I'm using the apps for the turnips because I just can't keep checking them. So I, I do cheese some of it. But other than that, um, I have had a bunch of wiki stuff going on. I'm in the middle of a move, which is why I haven't gotten to Paper Mario yet. But I did buy a small bag of random DS games from one of our coworkers, uh, Ginger <laughs> Smith who is a manager of products at IGN, according to her Twitter bio, because I don't remember what her title is because she works in a different department. Uh, I put the link in the doc she if works you guys want to. Yes. <laughs> don't we all? Um, I have a couple uh, DS games there. Um, Mario & Luigi Bowser's Inside Story, I did play before, but I sold it before I finished it because uh, I just fell off and needed money. Uh, so I, I rebought that because I love buying games again that I already own. <laughs> Uh, I also got the rest of the ones I totally picked off of reading the description and seeing if they sounded interesting slash if I'd vaguely heard of them. Like, I heard of Electroplankton, so I bought it. Oh, man. I can't believe she sold that. Yeah. uh, Hotel Dusk, Room 215. Apparently, that's really good. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So there we go. Uh, And you have Double Survival in there. Devil Survival in here. Tryon Cube, yeah. Tryon Cube. Uh, I think that one got a 5.5 out of 10 at IGN. Not so great. But they, I read the verdict and they're like, oh, it's just kind of easy. I'm like, that's okay. I will still I'll play an easy puzzle game. So maybe, maybe uh, Pair Mario will be all right. And I got um, 999. It's, it's nine hours, nine persons, nine <laughs> doors. Yeah. That's supposed to be really good as well. That's yeah, also really so, good. Yeah. Um, it's funny because Ginger saw like uh, she has a big spreadsheet of all her games. And she's like, I'm down to sell some of these. So mark the ones you're interested in. Uh, I also got some PSP stuff. I got Padapon and Loco Roco 2. And the Silent Hill Experience, it's a UMD. Oh. I don't know. It was just there. I thought it seemed cool. And um, she was like, oh, you have a great taste. And I'm like, no, you have great taste. I just yeah. picked from the remains of your trash. <laughs> um, and admittedly, don't know most of these games. But uh, And yeah, I got Devil Survivor because I'm like, all right, Shin Megami Tensei is the there wave right now with the 
the mm-hmm. mini direct. So I figured uh, this will be a, a cool way to kind of fill some of these gaps and try new old games. Uh, yeah. I really enjoy going back to old games that are new for me. Um, people always get, if they're like good games or, or games that people like, uh, people always get excited when they see I'm playing them and they want to like, t- even though they're old, they want to talk about them. And <laughs> I really like that vibe. And I, I like going back to old stuff because it feels the most removed from work. It's not up for any 2020 awards. It's not a guide. It's not a review. Like, there's, and it's probably not even, none of these games are on our, like, our top 100 list either. So uh, I'm excited to go back to stuff that's also just very removed and just sort of uh, dig into the DS library, which was definitely one of the best libraries I think Nintendo yeah. has had on a handheld, like DS, 3DS. I mean, GBA was also really good. They make good damn games. So, uh, and they have a great catalogs. So we'll see how these go. I will let y'all know what I think of this very widespread of, of games that I'll be yeah. digging into once I move. You, you got you got a really interesting mix of yeah. DS games there. They're very adventure-focused, for sure, except for Electroplankton is also it's a weird experimental. But yeah, that's, um, that's, a, that's a cool list of stuff you got there. Um, the only weird game you're missing is Project Rub from Sega, <laughs> which is all sorts of strange. Um, but I, th- I think that's a good list. Yeah, it should be fun. It is. Per, you are playing another game that isn't Paper Mario. Can you tell oh. us about that? Yeah, I, um, one of the, uh, uh, he's actually an NVC listener and works on the dev team, shared, uh, shared a, uh, some codes of this new game called They Breathe for, for um, it comes out on the 29th, it costs $3.99. It is probably, speaking of weird, is probably one of the weirdest games on Switch. Um, I don't know what to make of it yet. It's basically your frog and you dive into the water and then there are other frogs and bubbles come up from the bottom and you're competing for the air bubbles because obviously they breathe, right? They Mm -hmm. have to surface. And so you're catching these air bubbles and then when the other frogs don't get them, they die and go and they just float upwards and that lets you progress downwards. And then like these big jellyfish come that use the frogs as their faces they almost look like weird sea cows when they do it and they compete for the bubbles and try to kill you and so you keep on like and and they're different like some some uh, jellyfish die if they take on bubbles some if you don't let them breathe and it's this weird kind of very strange experimental puzzle game with this really cool score like the sound effects and everything like this kind of like suppressed breathing noise underwater make makes it almost feel claustrophobic very very odd game um you know played a bunch uh, last night and uh, um I, i'm curious to see where it leads and what happens with it i mean for four bucks you kind of sold me <laughs> it's yeah it's definitely it's kind of mean-spirited like i feel bad for the the other frogs Aww, man. yeah <laughs> they're like when they don't get any any air okay yeah. I, I appreciate that they, they shared the codes with us. It's very co- yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. Them. And uh, I, I haven't been playing anything new or exciting. I've just started being able to press buttons again. So I started playing Slay the Spire because I don't. It's one of the games that you don't have to continuously uh, be holding a control stick or pressing buttons. Yep. You can like take it slow. And you can also change it to be, you can play the whole thing with just one hand. Uh, so yeah, I played Slay the Spire Ascension Level 6 with the the silent and i got up to the final boss who was the awakened and got him down to like half hp the second hp bar not the first hp bar and uh then i lost and on that run i had actually made it back from one hp 
I love I love that this is your go-to game. Um, <laughs> that that even when you're hurting, you go back to this game. But maybe maybe this is the time to play some of the some of the less click-heavy adventure games, yes. or make your significant other do what you say and say, mm -hmm. you know, click on the door, open the door, slay the dragon. I um, I tried doing that with What Remains of Edith Finch, and he said it was too boring. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Maybe you have to hire someone. So also, have you not seen the end of that game then? I haven't seen it yet. It's so good. I know. Maybe I can convince him to go back sometime. We're like three quarters of the way through. If it if it's any, well, you won't be able to have a role, I guess. But I I think I did. Oh, I streamed it, but I don't think I have the stream saved up. But yeah, you gotta you gotta get someone to finish that for you. Maybe okay. we should do uh, nightly Twitch streams called Playing for Casey, and Casey's in the chat and tells us what to do. Can we? Can we yeah. do that? We gotta do that for oh, Monster yeah. Hunter specifically. Oh no! All right, now beat this Elatrion for me. Um, no, we can't. We have don't have your skills. No, I'm sad. I, I don't think I my friends. I can even... give it a shot. Try it. Be, I'll give you my account no, info. I've actually. I don't want to see of... someone who's good. I want to see someone like who doesn't know what what things are. <laughs> exactly. The worst worst streams. But so we just talked about some games that we're playing: Paper Mario, Animal Crossing: New Horizons, They Breathe, and Slay the Spire, as always. And I <laughs> forgot to like re-mention the games that were out this week, but those were Rogue Company, Rock of Ages Three, Make and Break, Panzer Paladin, Creeks, Carry On, Crisis Remasters, and Quiplash and Fibbage XL. Long list of games this week. Yeah. But we have almost no time left. But I would like to get a question block question in. And this first one is from Nicholas Sayan. Cool last name, by the way. First of all, I'd like to thank you for doing this podcast every week. It helps the drive to work more than anything. I love the Switch, and I would rather play everything on it. However, I feel myself playing games that are on Xbox and Switch on Xbox because I love getting achievements. So my question is, do you think Nintendo will ever add an achievement-like system? No. Yeah, I, I think I've I think I've made peace with the fact that no, I don't think they will. And I think the reason I've I think actually Paper Mario made me realize that I don't think they will for Switch specifically. Like the future past Switch, whatever. That's a whole nother story. It's a whole nother world. I think for the Switch, they've made it very clear that they do not see this as, to use their term, an entertainment system. Right? It's a video game console. It's a it's a handheld that is that you know it, like that is what they see it as and i think that's what they prioritize and they leave the door open for stuff like paper mario where origami king basically has its own built-in achievement system where mm -hmm. when you're going through a level and you get the last toad in that area it does a little achievement style pop-up that's like you completed 100 percent of the toads in this area good job so like I think at least for them, they seem content to just sort of like let developers put that into their game if they want it in their game, and they're not really interested in making a big old system architecture for that. But internal achievement systems make it so hard to brag, though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe they will make it easier to share what you've accomplished in a given game. Maybe there's some sort of system like that. But I think I think Tom, you're right, and I think mostly it's because Nintendo doesn't love to follow. You know, they mm. they if you look at what they've done with the Switch, um, nobody else has done this, right? Nobody else has done this weird system uh, hybrid. Certainly not the main competitors uh, competitors Xbox and PlayStation, and like. Just the fact that achievements have been so well established on the Xbox and then obviously trophies on the PlayStation makes it seem to me like Nintendo would go, 
would feel like it's derivative and that they would right. be creating this meta element to games that makes them seem all the same when they feel like these games are not the same. Like game A is not like game B and we we fit is is a completely different animal from The Legend of Zelda. So yeah. I don't see them do it either, which I know is sad to a lot of people. Yeah, I'm, it's a bummer to me too. I'm I'm kind of fine with there not being an overarching achievement system like there are for Xbox and PlayStation, but I'm I'm probably in the minority on that, <laughs> but that's okay. But we do have one more question for NBC. This one is from Adam Boat, and he says, "Can you enjoy a video game without thinking it's fun?" For context, I'm playing through Dark Souls for the first time. Janet, do you have any thoughts on this one? Yes, my answer is yes, absolutely. Not all games are fun. Um, well, at least to someone personally, I've had games that I wouldn't describe my time. There is fun, but what, as long as it's enjoyable, I think is what matters. And even in a game like Dark Souls, the thing people often say they enjoy is the challenge and kind of like the frustration. That's why I joked that like, oh, those, those are the games for masochists because they like the struggle and the pain of that. And as, as someone that likes hard platformers, like I would say I had fun playing Celeste, but I also had stress. <laughs> overwhelming mm. amounts of stress and I like but I kind I liked it because I like mm -hmm. uh, a gritty difficult platformer when it, I when I feel it's done well um uh, other games that I would consider not really fun but that were enjoyable uh Gone Home it's not that I don't think that's like a f if you think that game's fun I think that's valid but for me I would I would think of those kind of games as more um engaging or interesting rather than it's it's not like I'm having uh, well I guess I have fun picking stuff up but it's just like a different kind of fun or the enjoyment I get is not it's not exactly from moving through the world in the way that it felt like really good to jump around in Mario Odyssey um it's it's an enjoyment but it's not like a thrilling one like how a roller coaster is fun or something like that so I think there's degrees and then I think also um sometimes you might just get something completely different out of it than uh, what I think most people would consider to be quote unquote fun. Yeah. And I think that's where games are mirroring certainly Hollywood entertainment, right? You've got some blockbusters that are fun, like Jurassic Park is stressful because of the chases and all of that, but it's so exhilarating and fun, like a roller coaster where, where it's like nobody in their right mind would describe Schindler's List from the same director as a fun experience, right? But it's challenging and interesting and impressive and, you know, uh, all those things and, and very emotional. And I feel like games, you know, for, for the most part, games are about the enjoyment of the mechanisms and like something in the action is fun to pull off, but there's some games where, it, you know, it's not the right way to describe them that way. And I, I just, I finished The Last of Us 2, um, you know, two weeks back or so, and that game isn't fun. They, actually, I take that back. The first one I thought was much more dreary. I actually think the second one has so many more like stealth elements where you do feel like this sense of kind of excitement and fun in taking out the enemies. But then the game also sends you the bill for it where you're like, oh, man, it's like Shadow of the Colossus. Maybe what I'm doing is not right. Mm -hmm. Right. Like there's, there's this underlining thing. No, but it's it's like, you know, people ask that question all the time yeah. about the last of us how is it okay that ellie kills all these people and people have asked that about uncharted too whereas like uncharted says no this is fun and the last of us says maybe not maybe there there's a point to this right and like i think on switch there are some of the other games um oh man tom do you remember what's that game that's like this uh set in the medieval ages a side scroller it's all about stress of your party um oh darkest dungeon 
huh? Darkest Dungeon, Dungeon right? Yeah. Like, how do that, you guys to do me, that with each other? <laughs> it's not. It's not fun. Yeah. It really like to me that game is not fun. It is so stressful. I, it's almost like anxiety inducing and like the point of the game is everybody goes crazy from this right yeah i mean that's like an idea of a lot of lovecraftian sort of like media mm-hmm. in general right is this idea of just mm. pure stress and terror and that's what it wants you to feel to put you in the shoes of the character rather than just like joy <laughs> yeah and that's not going to be for everyone but you can still enjoy it yeah, and it's, Janet's examples are dead on. Like anything yeah. that tells a serious story is, you know. I think it's yeah, it's I, interesting. I, I I don't remember which philosopher said this. It might have been Aristotle, but they said that for something to be considered a piece of art, uh, it has to elicit a sense of catharsis, and tragedy often does that. And I think we can, if you beat in Shadow of the Colossus and a lot of other games, I think you can very easily consider them tragedies in the classical sense of the term and experiencing a tragedy can elicit catharsis which then makes it art and i think exactly what Paris says it's going on to become more than just a fun pastime and to create things that elicit catharsis and emotion and then become art which is enjoyable in its own right yep and we will end that serious conversation with this question <laughs> by collier yes. bell and he asks does Paris schneider like Paris cider <laughs> Oh my, that's almost in the same vein as the previous question. <laughs> Aristotle said that, no, um, <laughs> yeah, you know what? I haven't had much pear cider. I do, I come from a cold country where, you know, apples are turned into very sour, um, not liquor, uh, beverage, alcoholic beverages, uh, Ebelvoy in the, in the, like the Frankfurt region, region um, which is an apple wine. Yeah, I drink those. Pears, you once in a while, I encounter some here, um, but I'm more of a beer and wine guy. This is a far more in-depth answer to this yeah. question than I was expecting. I know. That was a great I answer I want to take there. this seriously. I want to take this question seriously. I, too, enjoy pear cider, but I also like beer and wine. But great. on that note, that is about all the time we have left for this week's NVC. Tom, Janet, Pear, thank you so much for joining me this week. I very much appreciate it everyone listening at home to submit your own questions to question block you can email us at nvc at ign.com or respond to our weekly question block post on the nintendo voice step podcast forums on facebook thank you so much for listening you can catch us every thursday at 3 p.m pt on your favorite podcasting platform and remember nintendo voice chat is the only place you can get the thing get the thing Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.